Hey there, and welcome to this episode of We Can Do This. Whether this is your first time listening in or you've been listening since day one, I'm really grateful that you decided to take time out of your day to listen to this podcast. And if you are a listener, you may have noticed that there was a few weeks where we didn't have episodes released for a few reasons. One being that we had a holiday here in the U.S. where I live, where I decided not to release an episode, which is funny. It made me go into our podcast analytics, right? I can see kind of where people are listening from. And to my surprise, aside from a lot of listeners in the United States, we've had listeners so far from Venezuela, Singapore, Canada, the UK, Philippines, Israel, Bangladesh, Taiwan, Thailand, Germany, didn't realize we had so many international listeners. So I guess it doesn't make sense to plan episodes around US holidays. So I'm really excited to jump back in. And for today's episode, we have a conversation with Dan Perry. Now, Dan has worked in various roles when it comes to marketing in London. He has co-founded a customer research company, has been an educator in a number of universities and, and nonprofit organizations teaching people about tech and about business. And we talked about some really interesting things around his own personal journey when it comes to starting companies and launching products and ideas. And specifically, there's a thread through this conversation that you'll notice about mental health, about how Dan has been mindful of his own mental health during all of these various stages. And ultimately, he is currently working on a project in the mental health space, which I think you'll find really interesting to hear about his thought process around launching his own company, own project that he's working on right now. So so I think this episode is going to be really interesting, specifically if you have an idea that you're kind of toying with in this moment, figuring out what direction to move in. Dan's going to explore all of these things for us in this episode, and I think you're going to find it really interesting. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm excited to be with Dan Perry. Now, Dan studied computer science at University in London and very quickly realized he was a terrible programmer. Since leaving university in the early 2000s, he worked in tech support across multiple industries, been creative in marketing companies in London, a technical, non-technical product person, co-founded a customer research company, and has been an educator at a number of universities and not-for-profit enterprises teaching new entrepreneurs about tech and business. And now that technology has finally caught up, he's using no-code tools to build a mental health startup on the side called Wellos. So Dan, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm so glad to be here. So it's funny, as I was just reading your bio, there's like this dance between tech and non-tech. Talk to us about that. Like, what were you up before Tectonic and Wellos? And tell us about this relationship that you have with tech. Yeah, sure. So I think my main love of technology when um, I was growing up and I got a computer, my father got us a computer and I was just instantly in love with playing games on it and, and using it to just see into 
different possible futures and different possible worlds. Mm. And that idea like shaped my way of thinking around technology and how it can be used to help people and entertain people and do so many things. Yeah. And I've yeah, so just loved it, loved computers since I was eight or so. I've always been a creative person. So always drawing, writing, making music. I used to rap. I, I produce oh, music yeah. now. I do all of these uh, random things. So I feel like at my core, there's a there's a there's a tension between technology and art or creative work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I usually use technology to try and further this creative these creative fashions of mine. But yeah, there's I think there's always the tension. One of the what an interesting thing is one of my previous lives I used to be do tech support at a textile mill in the highlands of scotland mm. so i was um the only black person in the town <laughs> i in the mill the like going into where they were weaving all the fa- fabric it was like going into like the 1800s <laughs> like there were just old school machinery yeah. and just again just that tension just arose of just like teaching people how to copy and paste like they'd never copied and pasted things before <laughs> so like when I told, they used to enter in all the information into for the loom details by hand, and if they made a mistake, they'd have to do it all again. And there were thousands of reams, mm. and I was like, "Oh, you could probably just like copy and paste the data over," and it just like blew their minds. Yeah. So yeah, I just love helping people. I just love tech, arts, all of those things. And the reason why I went into tech support, oh well, the reason why I went into started tried to study computer science at university was because I wanted to make video games. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give those feelings. And then on my first day, I realized that I cannot program and I would be a terrible programmer. And <laughs> my parents being from Ghana forced me to or strongly suggested that I continue until the end. And I did, and I barely made it through. And that really shaped my self-belief in myself and shaped my limited my view about what I could be and what I could do because yeah yeah, I never thought I could make anything but now I can yeah oh it's so interesting I mean I like how you said that your interest in technology started because you wanted to help people and I think Mm. technology at its best is Mm. something that helps people whether that Mm. be through entertainment whether that be through Mm. business or like some of these you know, this practical experience that you had in helping Mm. people copy and paste, right? Mm -hmm. And especially when it leans into more creative fields and people Mm. have an idea or they have an Mm. aspiration or they Mm. have an album, right, that they Mm. want to work Mm. on. And they realize that the thing standing in the way for them really achieving that dream of what they want to accomplish is technology. Yeah. And it becomes this big barrier. Absolutely. And if you feel like, it's you versus technology and technology wins, then mm. it can be really discouraging. And it's, I can see how that gets wrapped up into the, your aspirations, your creative mm. dreams, ideas, mm. things that you want to mm. want to do. So tell us, I mean, tell us about this relationship with technology. It seems that in university, mm. it feels like tech one in the sense you made it out, but then <laughs> in the battle versus tech, tech one. And then yeah. how did you redeem or reclaim this relationship that you had with technology? So, so yeah, technology won and defeated me in at university. <laughs> and so where most of my friends went on to become developers and earn a lot of money coding, I didn't and went into tech supports because I was still in love with technology and was always tech support for my family and friends anyway, because I knew. So um, while I was doing that, and I, I realized that I was always helping facilitate people do cool things, but wasn't doing anything cool myself. Mm. And that like forced me to confront certain aspects of myself. So part of, 
part of that was started to try and reclaim back some of my creativity uh, and and mission i was by doing creative things on the side so i used to like make music you know, using technology to try and like learn how to make beats but the other thing that i did was i I eventually figured out how to get into a marketing company and the tech support there. Saw all the cool things that they were doing, all the developers were doing amazing things, all the people had ideas and then things would just happen. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I um, wanted to be part of that and not just helping people, like facilitating the underlying infrastructure, but actually coming up with these ideas. So I eventually took a week's holiday to work in the creative and as a copywriter, and that was great. And then I went back to real life and as a in tech support and that was not great and i was like okay cool i'm a i'm a, I'm a creative person at heart so i if effectively left did a whole bunch of things and and made it back to that same agency as a copywriter while i was doing that my brother had a music tech idea on the side which was to help empower unknown djs to promote themselves more effectively hmm. and because of my past experience in um, university and just how i'd felt about myself i didn't think i was capable of helping but as he went on i realized that he's a genius and he's going to be rich and i didn't want to be the not rich older brother <laughs> so i helped start helping him along in this journey with his friends and startup life was where i began to see that technology wasn't something that you should be afraid of and it can help individuals and it can and you can use it to help people our whole goal was always to help people whenever we do anything. So we wanted to help musicians and DJs. And so, yeah, we did the whole startup thing of like raising money and get hiring developers and doing all that jazz. And the startup didn't work out for multiple reasons. One of them was Cambridge Analytica, which I can go into a little bit later. But along the way, I found out about chatbots and, and it was when the chatbot phase was getting really big. And I was like, oh my God, like you could do like games you could do, like like you could put chatbots anywhere to make things really engaging. There was a lot of hype around it and it, mm -hmm. it didn't pan out the way that it was supposed to. But then from chatbots, I got into the whole no code scene and started realizing that you could make things. And this unlocked so many things in my brain. Like so many, like I can, I don't have to pay a developer to build something that is probably wrong. I don't have to, I can learn new skills and like test the market. I can build, I can, teach people, I can be self-reliant, I can mess around and have fun. And that's when I think that technology started going my way, or I started going technology. Today. Depends yeah. on how you put it. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting because hearing, you know, you have experience in programming and then mm. you've had experience hiring developers. Mm. Mm. And now this, you know, we, and when we talk about no code, we hear about this like democratization of technology. Mm -hmm. It really put these tools in your hands to say, all right, I could have done it this way. I could have done it this way. But now there's like this new way that actually empowers me to, to do what I want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the thing is with no code, there's often this code versus no code battle on the internet. <laughs> and the thing I find strange about that, like, I think at first I was very like no code versus code, mm -hmm. but the thing I found, but the, and the argument is that like, you get more power with being able to develop things. The thing with learning how to code is that it takes an inordinate amount of time. And the chances are whatever thing that you're building is probably wrong. Like, like just mathematically, yeah. like you're yeah. just going to build. The chances are wrong. against you. The chances yeah. are against you. So actually speed to be able to iterate and speed to be able to 
chain and add value and is, is really important. But also the chances are that your product is not the key aspect of your business. Like I always say that your product is a function of your business. It's like your business, there's like your business model, your customers, your it's like your marketing, yeah. like all that stuff and your product. And people spend get so hyped, and the coders and no coders get so hyped about the product stuff that they forget, they think that once I've made this thing, then people will come. People will not come. Like, so there's a whole load of other stuff that you have to learn as well and have to have to do. But by democratizing um, development, the thing I love about that is that it allows people who have traditionally not had access to developers, um, which are this magical resource uh, or have the time or capability to learn themselves, can now build things that matter to them. Like and 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 things that would normally be seen as niche <laughs> could actually have a chance to succeed, and and you can prove that they add value to the world, and prove to yourself as well that you could you can add value if that's what yeah. your goal is. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you said that because accessibility is so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, in an array of different ways, putting these tools in the hands of people that traditionally didn't have them. One is, is incredibly exciting for the things that come from that, right? The fruit of like these products, these tools, these platforms that were in the hands of certain people. Now they're in the hands of everybody, I think is awesome. <laughs> but specifically, so I, when I talk about this with other people, there's always like a gateway drug into no code. And it seems like your gateway drug into no code was chatbots. A mm. lot of people I hear is glide, right? They start yeah. glide and it, yeah. I like how you said it unlocks something almost in your brain. You're like, yeah, there's all these new realm of possibilities. And mm-hmm. so tell us, uh, walk us through from, you had this experience in the startup. It didn't pan out in some ways. Mm-hmm. Now discovering no code, using mm-hmm. it for these chatbots, which you can think of a million different ways that chatbots can be useful for the internet. Where did you go from there? So while we were building our music tech startup, lots of people kept on asking us, how did we this platform? And so we effectively started a development company to bootstrap the music tech business. And that development company, what we noticed was that all the founders who had better lived experiences. So if they were a barber and they wanted to make a barbershop app, they it was better than this like random random dudes who came up with random ideas about Yeah, things. someone saw a money-making opportunity Exa- and exactly. figured out, yeah. Precisely, precisely. So so we effectively decided to focus predominantly on this development company with, and by and our diff- key differentiator was that we would do customer interviews before we built people's MVPs. Mm-hmm. So we could say, hey, like, we know that building an MVP is expensive and cost prohibitive to most people on the planet. Let's de- uh, de-risk it by actually talking to your customers first so that we know what you need to build. We loved that. We did. We kept on doing that. And then we eventually just stopped the development piece because it was so difficult. And I could see the rise of no-code tools. Like rather than spending loads of money on building something that nobody wants, like it's just a bunch of your best guesses. Yeah. Actually, let's talk to people first, find out what they actually do need and build the smallest thing first. You don't need a crazy system out there. You probably just need like a, a small website that does mm-hmm. X, Y, Z. So we did that, shut down the music tech business. And that just became the the research piece, became the core of what we did. And but I and, and, and teaching people about uh, customer development and customer research, because again, like we, we believe that de-risking the whole process by talking to your customers, teaching people how to understand and analyze the data, to helping people with finding the right tools that they can make 
and their uh, MVPs from and their businesses from is all is the right thing to do mm -hmm. to help people build better businesses. Yeah, better. Yeah, I love it. Better businesses. And the word that stuck out to me is de-risk, right? Because there's still mm. probably a hell of a lot of risk, no matter what yeah. you're doing, but yeah. you're taking this ginormous amount of it mm. away so that now you have like a level of confidence going mm. into that startup idea, mm. the MVP, mm. which you could even potentially, you know, utilize no code tools to do it so that you eliminated risk. And then there's still risk investing into building that platform. But if you can do that at a fraction of the cost and time, yeah, yeah. there's a, a, another level of risk that gets removed, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I can see, I mean, I, I can imagine if we were to look at like the success rate of people that did this, that <laughs> and then mm. moved on. I, I'm really curious to see what that would look like. Mm. Cool. So this is super interesting. And you move into this really this customer audience discovery part of your journey. Mm. And if I'm correct, there's a lot of this work that you're really you're doing. And then to reach back to the beginning of our conversation, talking about technology is solving problems. Mm. Sometimes there is problems that are of a different caliber, right? They could be mm societal problems they could be mm. problems that are involving underrepresented people there can be mm. pro there's all these like global problems mm. and we're seeing hey i'm learning all this about technology putting in the hands of people that traditionally didn't have it i'm learning about you know this experience of customer research and actually talking mm. and discovering what people want what people care about i imagine if i was in your head at this moment i'm also seeing all these other ways that these things can be used to really impact people and, and mm. do a level of good in the world. Absolutely. So I understand Wellos is, is a platform that you've been working on for some time, mm. right? Talk to us about that. Maybe how that began, what inspired you to start that project and yeah, connect the pieces to, to some of this elements, some of these elements of your journey that you've talked about. Yeah, sure. So I have had depression since I was about 12 mm -hmm. and mental health has been a huge aspect and part of me and trying to understand my own mental health and in I'm trying to understand my own, trying to help others uh, understand their own as well. And so I've, when I entered into the no code space, as soon as I had the opportunity to be able to build things, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I could build anything, but it's probably worthwhile me trying to focus on a particular area, especially with when I talk to founders, I always say like fall in love with like a, a customer area or fall in love with like a problem rather than like specific solutions. Mm -hmm. So my general idea and goal in life is to try and help the world, improve the world's mental health by 10%. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, uh, a ridiculous uh, statement to make and immeasurable, but something that I, I, is a worthwhile challenge for me to do. And I could do it in multiple it. ways. I, I could do it in games. I could do it in an apps, businesses, anything. Mm -hmm. So I'd built a small app before in Nadalo, which was a tool to help uh, me remember my wins. As a sufferer of depression, I have a terrible memory. So I can't remember the good things that I've done, which then makes me feel bad and spirals. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me build this app to help me remember my wins. And then I got uh, invited to join On Deck in the inaugural code cohort and as part of on deck that thing that you have to do is a showcase of, a, mm -hmm. of an app and i wanted to do something different and i wanted to yeah try and figure out like something create something first three weeks were very incredibly stressful it was around christmas time i always have like a terrible time with my mental health around then i 
was struggling work was like a lot just all the things and i had my first panic attack mm. i've never had a panic attack before but because i was in therapy and i'm in therapy i was able to question those thoughts see whether they were real or not and then i um, listened to some music that i really loved and then i uh, had a shower and i was like oh, okay cool this should be a well-being like this is like a little map to be able to help me or a menu to be able to help me whenever i have these moods mm. let me this could be my idea. <laughs> so yeah. out of the terrible time that I was having, I, I I came up with this idea. And then I effectively tried to make a small version of this and showed it to my mastermind group. group and they loved it, but they didn't use it. And basically after doing the customer research process, I realized that well-being professionals were the ones who were looking to share their content and and provide their content and, and, and grow their business. And there were lots of people who were looking for that stuff, but... But I wanted to focus initially on those well-being creators. So I pivoted and started building in that space to uh, effectively create the colloquial term was wholesome only fans, which is what I was uh, trying to do, trying to make a platform that allowed these creators to monetize from their skills and knowledge to help the world. And as I went on through the journey, you learn so much because even though I'm, I'm a, in a customer research capacity i tried sometimes to do things in the wrong way so to in order to be able to be more effective with my teaching so it's because the typical way that people do things is just that they just build things that they like and then they're like uh, hey world um <laughs> and the world is yeah yeah and the world <laughs> is like please uncross those fingers <laughs> so i realized that okay i needed to niche down even more and i wanted to focus more on the mental health aspects and the physical health for in the well-being space mm-hmm. so i niched down to therapists and i've really been following lots of therapists on Twitter and, and trying to understand space more and try to understand the creative economy space more and and built features. and But like there was this feeling that I was having as I was building this that I may have gone down uh, the wrong path. The reason why I say that is because I ended up building a marketplace and like marketplaces are really hard. Yeah really hard and i knew that and i didn't want to build a marketplace but i it, i was getting so many in the research i was getting so many signs hmm. and i had to so what i've what i've done is actually take a step back really reflect on what this thing is and what i'm trying to do and i'm actually almost re-pivoting back to the initial to the original idea of curating wholesome content and well-being content that and having it searchable in the right ways finding creators that I really love, showcasing their work. And then from there, I'll probably end up still making wholesome only fans, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be starting from a really simple place. So yeah, that's Wellos. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love hearing, I feel like we're in the mind of a founder and identifying mm. what is the right direction to go. I have a mentor that says this phrase, hopefully I don't butcher it, his name's Mike Kim. He has this phrase that he says that clarity comes from a marriage of movement and meditation. Mm. meaning clarity comes through both doing and then reflecting right and i think there's Mm. this process i'm hearing in your story of taking a stab at it seeing how it responds and with your background experience and customer research knowing that there's actually people to see if they will respond right if it's an empty room no one's going to respond to what you're doing Mm. but if you know there are people that are interested they'll talk back at you we had arvid call on a recent podcast and we talked Mm. a ton about that and then once you reflect, deciding where to go next, and it's, it's, it's all really interesting. And so it's, as far as our listeners who are 
listening to this episode today, let's say they probably have ideas, aspirations, creative things that they want to accomplish. Mm. Maybe traditionally didn't know that they could actually build these things. And they were saying, how do I clear up my thoughts so I can try to translate that to a developer or someone that could, um, that could make those things a reality, which is challenging. But now they're discovering, Hey, I have this idea, okay. this thing I want to build or a platform. And now I'm thinking I might be able to do this and realizing that like you've been transparent and vulnerable and sharing your own experience with mental health. And let's say these people are also feeling defeated by when they've tried to do some things like that. Yeah. What would you say to people listening today that are maybe at this point before you started Wellos, right? And they just have an idea, maybe some tools from first steps they want to take, but mental health is also in the picture. What would you say to them? So I guess my first thing to say is I commend you for wanting to take the step. I think it's brave to actually want to change the world in your specific way. And you are worthy and and capable. And there are lots of people around who are always going to be willing to help because there are people who like love the space that you're probably going to be in. There are people who love the tool that you're probably going to be in. There are people who love you. So there's lots of people around. In trying to build something, I would say that focusing on the customer and the customer area and who they are and why they do what they do is critical. Finding the customer type that you enjoy spending time with is critical. As I've mentioned, and I mentioned to multiple people, the chances are that the brand idea that you've got in your head is likely wrong, just because of the number of assumptions that you have and like just mathematically. Mm-hmm. But if you're always talking to your customer and getting feedback from them and spend time with them, it's like you're building things with your friends or building things with your peers. And so getting them to help shape what you're building is likely to reduce the risk and it's going to be a fun time whenever you're stuck. Like whenever I'm stuck with Velos, like I just go and talk to a therapist and I like talking to a therapist or a yoga instructor. And I'm like, oh man, like even if it's not quite what I thought, it's it's like it's a, it's a good conversation. And then regarding shipping the product, there are two aspects of this. One of them is people have a concept of what MVP is and everyone's MVP is always too big. Like... Minimum Bible. <laughs> it's not very minimum. <laughs> not very minimum. I always say, think about what your MVP is and then divide it by 10 and like drop the most atomically small thing that you could possibly drop just to get feedback from the market whether this thing is a thing or not. And sometimes it might be too small. Oftentimes it's not. It's just so you might need to make it smaller. But if it's too small, then you can add to it incrementally. But people will spend lots of time money or emotional energy into building something that they're like this is my baby mm-hmm. don't tell me my baby's ugly or or this is my baby yeah. i'm not going to show the world my baby because i don't want anyone to tell me that this thing is that my baby's ugly yeah. whereas it's <laughs> my wife would call that precious yeah <laughs> absolutely it's 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 really the way i look at it actually is the idea that you've got came from somewhere whether it's lived experience whether it's opportunity whether it's just you're a genius but very few people have the ability to shape the market into their will and bend the market into their will. It's actually more of a collaboration. It's like you are an artist on a song and the market is doing the feature, the guest verse. It's a collaboration or you're the band and they're the lead singer. Like this is a collaborative process. So like 
minimize what you're trying to do, work with the market and build the smallest thing, atomically smallest thing that you can do. And then practice your shipping, practice being awkward in front of people, practice telling your story, practice like figuring out how to launch apps, practice and don't be afraid. And the more you do this, the more you lower your risk and the more um, you can increase your chance of success. That's, that's very, very good. Very helpful. One of the other threads I heard in your story, and maybe this is relevant to like your own mental health journey too, in doing this is that there was people along the way that it seems like you really engaged with that helped spur you on. I think I, I heard your brother, right? You weren't, mm. you were co-founding a company opposed mm. to being a solo founder in that mm. sense, right? And then hearing your journey with OnDeck for people mm. that don't know what mm. On deck is cohort based education, cohort based education, right? And then I heard you use the word mastermind. So it seems like there's, mm. there's people around you in that. How has a uh, community and people really helped you stay on course? Mm. Oh man, it's been so important. I think that some of the masterminds that I'm in, I mean, I'm one of the hundred days of no code masterminds and I joined that last May. So I've been doing like on for uh, every Monday or so for a year over a year and initially there's this we we used to talk about tools Hmm. and like oh what new apps come out or what new (laughs) but then as you kind of go on in your journey you start realizing that it's much more about the mental health aspect much more about having a supportive group of individuals who are there for you who are there when you're up there when you're down like it's very rare that everyone in the masterminds are, are always having the best of times. And it's also very rare that everyone's always having the worst of times. So you balance each other out and mm. and learn a lot and learn from each other. Yeah. So I think having the on deck community is incredible. My my team is a community and again, really supportive of decisions and acts and things that we do. I think having a supportive community around you of people who are trying to do the same thing as you um not same project but like achieve mm-hmm. like change like you are yeah. is so important in in order to basically find balance mm-hmm. my natural as a creative person with adhd like my natural demeanor mm-hmm. is to do things until i get bored and stop and then and keep doing lots of things and there's a benefit to it because i'm good at a bunch of random things that no one cares about but like (laughs) um however the downside is that like finishing things or getting to a state of mastery of things is difficult because you don't you don't complete them but when you're in these communities or groups you're you're looking at examples of people doing things and like Mm -hmm. and people keep asking questions like oh how did that thing go and you're like oh i guess i should probably do that (laughs) It's, it's it's the same thing example is like why peloton works right it's like a community of gym goers who like yeah. go to the gym and the virtual gyms or whatever and do exercises and like are trying to achieve something that is greater than themselves. So yeah, I'm a big believer in communities. I, I think that they've been so critical to my growth and success, limited success that is, and but key to my not failure. Yeah, I really like how you phrase that. I, I would say the very same thing. Community's been incredible, incredibly helpful in my own journey too. As we begin to wrap up, is there anything you're learning right now that is, has been helpful or is there anything that you kind of like to share as we, mm. as we wrap up? Yeah. So things I'm learning right now, I am, I guess I'm always learning. 
Mm-hmm. So like, I think that might be part of my ADHD that I'm always just super curious about things. So I'm currently trying to learn a lot about crypto and not in like in the investment side of things, but more in just like, what is it? What could it mean for the world? Like, what is Ethereum? How does it work? Like, how, yeah. what does crypto mean for creative people? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn more about that to like, the, the new website by A16Z, and that's like a lot of articles about crypto. And that's been really, really fascinating. I have been learning Bubble. So I started learning Bubble. It's a continuous process, right? <laughs> yes, ab- absolutely. Uh, yeah, I tried to learn. So Bubble is a, a visual development platform, one of the more complicated ones. As soon as I got into the no-code space, I heard about Bubble. And I was like, oh, this sounds like everything that I could want to do. And I tried it multiple times and just couldn't get my head around it. Mm-hmm. It was only when I was in on deck and I saw people creating beautiful products because I like beautiful things. I was like, oh, okay, I have to do this now. Yeah. So I've been learning that. I was actually uh, just before this call, um, watching a video on how to make things responsive and beautiful. And yeah, those are the key things that I'm learning at the moment. I'm always trying to learn more about myself. Mm-hmm. So doing therapy, which has been my new therapist is really good. One of the side projects that we've done as a business is one called Evermind, where we've helped, we're helping remote workers get affordable mental health care by finding therapists from around the world mm-hmm. and built that platform using a bunch of no-code tools. And mm-hmm. in order to test the platform, I booked a session with one of the therapists and she was so great that she's now my therapist. Yeah. So dog food in my own product. But yeah, it, therapy can can be quite difficult and, and covering things. So I've been doing that for a while. Yeah. So those are the things that I'm learning. And in terms of things that I'd like to share, I think as a founder or creative, or maybe a person who hasn't built a business before, especially on their own, encouraging words that I would say to myself that I'm going to say to you all now is that it's absolutely possible. There will be stumbling blocks. There will be difficult times. There will be uh, times when you have to learn to prioritize times when things may take a step back, but technology has made it so uh, much easier. It's obviously, it's not easy, but it's much easier to build a lifestyle that can support your dreams and hopes and ambitions, and also do so in a way that doesn't require your soul or all of your finances. <laughs> so yeah, you could do it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, often the most encouraging thing that we can say to someone is the same thing we would tell ourselves, right? So that's, mm. I love that you mentioned that. Well, cool, Dan, it was really fun to, to chat today. I, I really love the different directions that we went with this conversation. Hopefully, you know, this inspires someone to get something that doesn't exist, mm. that should exist out. Mm. And I think if you follow through with some of the things that we talked about today, maybe it's mm. community, maybe it's diving into that maybe that gateway drug of a, a no <laughs> tool or even just like you said getting your mental health in order you know or making that connection that you need to make reaching out to a mental health provider using it one of the several tools that we mentioned <laughs> that you built right that yeah. that could be the next step for someone on listening today is is to to take that seriously but very very cool i'll include everything that we talked about any links that we shared in the show notes so if anyone wants to jump in and take a look at some of these things. I'll link to to Dan's social media accounts. Um, very active on Twitter. I think that's how we uh, got connected. So definitely follow Dan on Twitter. But again, thanks for being on the podcast. And thank you for having me. This has been really, really nice.
All right. What an awesome conversation with Dan. I really enjoyed just hanging with him for that conversation, hearing about all these different aspects of his own story and how it kind of weaved together into where he is now and how he's used these experiences from the companies that he started and the experiences that he's had and how these are forming and shaping his current project, right? So we talked about a bunch of different things in this episode. We'll have some links to the various websites that we talked through. Definitely follow Dan on social media. His links will be in the show notes. But again, thanks for listening to this week's episode and I'll see you next week. (laughs) 